horses are at the gate. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right, and welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. We hope to bring you the updated news of the day, and of course, we're going to bring you winners, and with me tonight two guests uh neither of my first time starter but uh both of them people you should know if you follow thoroughbred racing the first is the current voice of Gulfstream park none other than that mellow fellow so pete aiello from Gulfstream park will be with us pete and i go back to his days at at river downs when he was a a young guy coming out of the university of arizona equine program and uh, he uh, became friends when he came to Riverdowns, called Races a Few there, recommended him for the job at Oak Lawn Park. He did really well out there, and he loved it, and they loved him. But he's a Florida kid, and I called him home, and things worked out well. He started working at Gulfstream Park West, and actually, I think he started at Hialeah, and then he picked up the gig at Gulfstream Park West, and now he is the top dog at Gulfstream Park as far as announcing is concerned, and he's a damn good handicapper to boot. So Pete Aiello will be with us in the first segment, and in the second segment, we have the associate editor of the well-read Blood Horse magazine. He's an award winner himself. Byron King will be with us, and uh, he is very much of a worldly view of our game of racing, and uh, so he'll chime in, kind of paint the landscape for us, and I'm going to take Byron all over the place. Uh, As you know, we're going to be zoning in on uh, Gulfstream Park with Pete, no big surprise there, and let's face it, folks, wherever you are, if you got to go to a wedding or whatever you got railing into for Saturday, make sure that you are available at 534 to watch the Pegasus World Cup Invitational, a grade one race <clears throat> that has a lot of grade one horses in here. Let's face it, any way you cut this, folks, it is a match race between Nick's go. He drew the rail. Regular rider Joel Rosario will be up. This is his final career start before he is ushered off to a career as a stallion. So he's got nothing to lose. Nick's go will be heels to the field because that's his running style. He likes to go to the front, loves the turns. It's a mile and an eighth race. He'll get to do that twice. And whoosh, he loves to go around. He's won 10 of his 24 lifetime starts for earnings of, check it out, folks, $8,673,000. Nick's go. He's the headline grabber, but the upsetter just turned four-year-old. Life is good. Awful hard to knock his record. Six lifetime starts, five victories, earnings of over a million dollars. In the only race that he faltered, he dropped by a neck 
in the Alan Jerkins to none other than a horse that may well be considered the sprint champion of the year at the Eclipse Awards, none other than Jackie's Warrior. So that is not a bad resume. And I read Ortiz will be in the saddle. Jose Ortiz has been riding the horse's last two starts, but it's I read in the saddle for Todd Pletcher. So life is good versus Nick's go. We will see who both Byron and Pete like in this matchup. Again, with the schedule of Byron after going down to Gulfstream Park for a while. Uh, we're going to head out west. We'll hit the southwest. Now we got uh, this is a, a Derby points race. The southwest and uh, two standouts in here, in my opinion. Uh, Kenny McPeak trained Dash Attack and Bob Baffert trained New Grange. And uh, we will find out who Byron King likes in that great matchup. And then we're going to keep going out west, though. This will be a quick one, folks. Blinking, it's going to be over because only. Five horses going to post in the grade two San Vicente. This is seven for a long race for three-year-olds. These are horses that are going to start stretching out. They hope perhaps to be in the Santa Anita someday. And of this five-horse field, three of them are from the barn of Bob Baffert. Unbelievable. All right, that's the layout of the show. Let's get the news you can use. Now, we're waiting tonight to see if Nick Sko got crowned uh, North America's greatest racehorse, but he's already been crowned the world's best racehorse. That's right. He was named the Longines World Best Racehorse of 2021. So this is a marvelous international award that he is being given over so many great European runners that we don't know about, but they certainly stand out over the test of time and the test of distance on the turf. But Nick's go, the world's best racehorse, and you can watch him at 534 at Gulfstream Park. And man, he had a beautiful final tune-up here, getting ready for this $3 million race. Uh, He was timed in a minute and two-fifths of a second, the fastest of 57 workouts here on Sunday and uh, what can I say Uh, he is primed ready to roll it's this and then off to stud now you're wondering who are the other big horses we already mentioned life is good where is hot rod Charlie he is nowhere near the three million dollar Pegasus hot rod Charlie is taking his show on the road he's over in Dubai and it looks like Flavian Pratt's going to be replaced by William Buick. <laughs> no problem there. Uh, Buick knows his way around all the uh, tracks on the east side of the Atlantic. And uh, he was aboard for a work uh, this week. And, man, he looked good. It's up. It's uh, it, it's on media uh places that you can go and see it and he was just amazing uh just cruised over like eh, nothing bothered him and uh, it, uh doug o'neill trains him leandro mora has been with him since he stepped on the airplane to go over to uh to dubai so um you know william buick will be associated with him in dubai and we'll see what happens looks like he's ready to roll from his morning works a doff of the cat cap to Trevor McCarthy. Uh, he uh, won the stakes at Aqueduct over the weekend, but didn't have a bad week at all. He won eight of his 19 mounts for purse earnings of 287000 
<clears throat> He's currently in second place in the Aqueduct standings, tied with Kendrick Karamush. There's a name of a quality individual that uh, hopefully will enhance the program at Naira. None other than Frank Gabriel Jr. is going to take the place of uh, Martin Panza at Naira. He'll be Senior Vice President of Racing Operations. He's done just about everything, but where he's been is he's been the CEO of Dubai Racing. Uh, from 2005 to 2014, and then from 2014 to 2020, he was the director of racing for Dubai. So maybe they're getting him to help, you know, more of an international flair to the races on the New York circuit. We'll find out. But congratulations to Frank Gabriel. I'm good friends with his wife, Christine, over the years. You may recall she was one of the earlier Paddock Pickers up at Arlington Park. And also, congratulations to our friends, the National Handicapping Champions Hall of Fame. And five horse players have been brought in. A couple of them have been on this show before. Uh, Most uh, recognizable, Michael Baychock. And then you got uh, Stanley Babish, uh, David Gofried. And Paul Maddies, and uh, sad to say, Jay Randy Gallo is no longer with us, but he will be one of the five horse players in the eighth class of inductees that will be recognized over this weekend. A lot of stuff happening out in Vegas. We're going to check in with Eric Wing next week and just see how everything did go in Vegas. Uh, now, we did have my buddy, the man I admire, Ed Meyer, with us uh, last week, and uh, we're going to take a look at some of those races before we take a break and come on with that mellow fellow Pete Iello out at the fairgrounds. It was a derby points race, and whoo, what a race in a head, Bob. Call me midnight at 28 to 1. A Keith DeSormo trainee comes from out of the clouds. Now, even DeSormo admitted he had a, some help up front, but a $59 payoff for Call Me Midnight and Jimmy Graham. They got derby points. We'll see if they make it to Louisville on the first Saturday in May. Running second in there was Epicenter. Uh, he'll pick up some points again and also had uh, points for his win in the gun runner. He's a Steve Asmussen trainee. And third was Papa Cap, the favorite in there, get some derby points. But nonetheless, it will be Call Me Midnight picking up the big points in the 10-4-2-1 race. Also at the fairgrounds, really solid field. <laughs> When it comes to two horses, Mandaloon and Midnight Bourbon, they were bound to match hooves sooner or later again. And it was two newly turned four-year-olds. These are going to be horses to watch this year. It's going to be fun. Mandaloon got the job done. The Brad Cox trainee ridden by Florent Jaroux. You remember, he could still be moved up. To be the winner of last year's Kentucky Derby if they disqualify Medina Spirit. Uh, so Mandaloon gets the top spot over no surprise Midnight Bourbon, who knocks on the door but just doesn't get in. And in the third spot was Warrant. All right. Uh, let's see. At uh, Aqueduct, they scratched down to five horses, and the winner of the Jazeel was First Constitution. Wire to wire, took control from the start and never looked back. 
New York Breads. It was the Franklin Square, the winner in there. Sterling Silver, Trevor McCarthy. This helped him uh, get that Jackie of the Week vote. That was his fourth win of the afternoon, taking the Franklin Square. And then how about this? I hope you watched the American Beauty out at Oaklawn Park. Within two links of each other at the wire were seven horses. Getting the nod. Miss Mosaic, Ben Colbrook trainee, a hard-fought battle with several through the stretch and got it done out there at Oaklawn Park in the American Beauty. All right, that's old news. That's last week's races, but we're coming up on perhaps the biggest day of racing at Gulfstream Park, aside from their many derby preps. That's right. It's Pegasus Day, and we've got the man behind the mic, the mellow fellow with the voice that bellows, over Gulfstream Park, none other than Pete Aiello. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for Winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We got Pete Aiello with us. Pete, how's life for you? We already caught the world up on my situation. Oh, man. Good evening to you, John. Always a pleasure to catch up. I love hearing your voice. I didn't know. I just took a stab. I figured you wouldn't be able to make it with the Eclipse Awards and everything and these big races. But you know what? Uh, now, y- you'll know this off the top of your head. How many times have they run the Pegasus? Uh, this will be number five? No, six. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but I remember talking. Let me think about it. Arrogate, Arrogate Gun Runner, City of Light, Mucho Gusto. That's four. And then last year was Nick's go as five, so this will be six. Oh, that's good. Well, it was six years ago. We had this same call, Pete, 
And I remember it well because you were gearing up to call America's richest race for the very first time. Can you take us back to that? I mean, hey, you were good then. You wouldn't have had the job. But you kind of like, nah, no butterflies, another day at the races. But come on, Pete. Tell us. Yeah, no, there, there was there was <laughs> I wish I could say that was the case. I mean, um, you know, I I was the first year that Larry Colmus wasn't the voice of Gulfstream Park in the wintertime. So already I felt like I had something to prove. And then when you compound that with the fact that it was only my second uh, grade one race call of my life. And the first one was the Arkansas Derby the year before. And I botched it at the top of the stretch. You know, I didn't really have a whole heck of a lot of positive momentum coming in, but, um, thanks to some great colleagues of mine and, uh, the good, good Lord, not, uh, bestowing upon me any tongue ties that day. I, I did all right. Oh, you did fantastic. And I just, as you know, I try not to bother you, but every now and then, Pete, you come up with a phrase. I don't know where the heck you get them, but but the, but the there was one recently, and and I forget in the middle of the race, you say, "Well, right now things are going according to script." Oh, that's great! You look down your race for you're right. The two speed horses are on the lead. This horse is stalking, and the closer's way behind. You know, I just. I mean, I don't know where you pull some of this stuff out. That's just one example. I've got a litany of them. But uh, you do just what, – what I love is, I mean, outside of the fact that you're extremely accurate, is that you have always been able to paint with a broad brush what's going on out there. Not just who's first, who's second, who's third. It's kind of like, hey, here – okay, I'm going to give you that. But then about halfway, I'm going to let you know how the race is uh, – you know, developing for the you players there, and you usually let us know where the favorite is. I mean, I, you know, you know, I followed your career since your dusty days back there at Arizona. It, it, where does this stuff come from out of your mind? Well, well, I think it just comes from being a fan for so long. I mean, I always try to bring the fans' perspective to it, and you know, for me, every race, whether it's a race on a Wednesday afternoon or the Pegasus World Cup, every race has a storyline. Uh, and you just have to find out going into the race what is the storyline, and then you you know you tell the story. You, you know everyone knows going into this year's Pegasus what the storyline is. It's life is good against Nexco. Nexco's last race. Nexco is the defending champion. And then you know from there, I just have to hope that everything uh, there's not any sort of chaos. And then if there's chaos where you know they duel each other into submission and somebody comes flying by, you just play it play it from the hip and uh, and embrace the moment and try not to uh, try not to mess up. Well, you, you 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 don't have to worry about doing that too much. You're a made man now. You're 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 not. Uh... A, a, a Florida refugee that uh, was up in Cincinnati cutting your teeth, uh, where you did a great job too, by the way. But uh, no, you you don't have to worry about that. But uh, this has got to be thrilling because uh, odds are uh, you're going to be calling the next uh, horse of the year uh, here on Saturday. But not so quick, my friend. Life is good isn't exactly chopped liver the horse of the year i'm talking about of course is uh nick's go who uh just kind of had fun with this race last year pete well he sure did but they left him alone i think that you know if you look at last year's pegasus world cup and compare it with this past year's breeders cup classic you'll see a lot of similarities where he got left alone on the front end and this is a horse that unlike so many other horses he can cruise in 45 and change so you really have to hook him and make him work if you're going to beat him. 
And that's the beautiful thing about the storyline this year is the horse that is his, the key rival is in a position to do exactly that, not only from the standpoint of him being super fast, but also from the post position draw. I know that, you know, social media was very excited and happy, and some of the analysts are very happy that Nick Scott drew the rail. But, you know, you as a racing analyst for a lot of years, you can answer the same question I asked on Twitter today. If it was just a regular allowance race on a Friday, do you want to be the inside speed or the horse that's sitting off the flank of the inside speed? Well, I guess one thing that would help me answer that question, Pete, would be how is the track playing? What are your observations of racing on that fresh Tapeta track? Well, I mean, the Tapeta's not going to come into too much too much of a factor being that the World Cup's on the dirt, but uh, the is a surface that allows you to make up ground, which is really something that's been nice about, about how South Florida racing is, is that both the dirt and the turf have a tendency to carry speed. And so to your point about the World Cup, I think that that's only just going to further the battle between life is good and Nick's go more in the sense that speed is always good at Gulfstream. So, um, you know, it'll be such an interesting race. I think that the most nervous I'm going to be is the first quarter of a mile because I think that whatever happens in terms of the winning move, it's going to be made in the first 23 seconds of the race. So once we, once we get to the backside, I don't figure there's going to be much change, much change in the plot, so to speak. No, but it, it it is amazing, and you've got to witness it yourself. The way Nick's go just sweeps around turns. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that you know the people who were were having the friendly debates. They said, "Well, Nick's go's got the rail, and he, you know, like EG, you just said, he runs the turn so well that life is good is going to be at a tactical disadvantage there." And I guess that's probably true. But at the same time, you know, I just one thing I hope doesn't happen. It would really be frustrating, I think, for not only for for me, but also for a lot of the fans, I think that we really need and want to see these two horses hook up early. I hope that, you know, nobody gets cute and I don't anticipate that being a thing, but I at least want to throw it out in the atmosphere that that's not what anybody wants. We don't want life as good giving Nick's go a length and a quarter lead. Like he got in the breeders cup classic and just let him roll out there because you're never going to beat him. Just letting him do his strutted stuff. Cause he can, his cruising speed is just superior to most every other horse, you know, in training right now. Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, looking at the field, it's not like there's that many stone speed horses that that the trainer will just say, I'm going to give you a leg up and you just pretend this is a six furlong race and see what you can do. Uh, I I don't see that happening. I mean, I just think this this race on paper is what's going to play out at the track. Yeah, I think so too. I, I wish we had prop betting for horse racing. I'd love somebody to uh, to be able to give me a prop bet on the over under of the three quarter time. Uh, I think I would put the uh, if I was the line maker for such a prop bet, I would put the over under at about nine and two. I figure that that's got to be right in the ballpark. And I mean, if they go nine and two to three quarters at a mile and an eighth, that's racehorse time, and that that'll set the stage for a good stretch battle. All right, I just made note of that so I can bring it up on on the show uh, uh, ne- next week for sure. Now, that's going to be one of the six graded stakes races you're going to have. Now, you do have another grade one race, and I tried my best to handicap this thing and kept coming up with with, with, with horses that, uh, you know, I might want to keep an eye out at least in my, my uh, exotics. Uh, I'm trying to think uh, – 
on the outside is never surprised. Um, who you got to remember this time of year, the four-year-olds they're just turning four, uh, so a lot of them it's their first time uh, facing what we should, would say were our older horses. Uh, the, the number twelve post position uh, can't help, but you know, looking at this turf race, uh, Pete, um, I don't see much speed in here, and I just wonder if uh, if Luis Saez is going to. I, I hate the post, but he has no choice, does he? But to try to get the lead in here, going a mile and an eighth on the grass? Yeah, absolutely not, especially the way the turf course has been. I mean, the turf course, we haven't, you know, admittedly, we haven't run as much on it as I think anybody who's listening to this or myself would have liked so far this winter. So it's still carrying speed very, very well. And that bodes well for never surprised if he can work over. And I agree with you. I mean, I actually, I vacillated back and forth for about an hour and a half on who I was going to make the favorite. And I, of course, had to have these morning line odds in before the posts were drawn. And I ended up taking the safe route and going with Colonel Liam. And then when they drew the posts, I was at least from a morning line maker perspective, I was delighted because I said, okay, great. If I had made Never Surprised the favorite from the 12 hole, I would have Twitter going crazy. So, um, <laughs> But as a gambler, as a, as a gambler, I like Never Surprised. I hate the post like you do, but... I mean, this is kind of the turf version of Nick's go where he has just such a high cruising speed. He can get out there and just lope along on the top end. I mean, he's going to be facing better horses than he's faced over the last couple of races. But that being said, when you consider that his key rival is his stablemate, Colonel Liam, and Colonel Liam hasn't run since running eighth in the Manhattan, and that was in June. So if your key rival's been off that long and you're fresh, fit, and ready to roll, I mean, I think that that bodes well for never surprised. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with uh, uh, Pete Aiello, who is more than the voice of Gulfstream Park. You are also responsible as the odds maker? Yeah, you can thank my tenure for River Downs for that. Uh, About a year and a half or so ago, uh, they approached me and asked me if I knew how to make a morning line, and I explained to them that I had made it for three years in Cincinnati, and Little did I know that it, uh, that was the wrong answer in terms of me getting out of having to do the job. Once they found <laughs> out say, that not sure. only did I know how, but I had done it, then it was game over. Well, I, I, I'm sure that uh, there was a huge uh, pay raise involved in that, so we won't go into it. Uh, you, know, you know, at the track, if you can do something extra, they'll never ask you to do it for free. Uh, you know, it's always cash on the barrel head. But I... I uh, uh, We'll back off from that right now, but no, nonetheless, uh, the uh, the turf invitational looks like a good one. And Colonel Liam, you know, uh, who, who we're talking about here as the stable made of never surprise. He won this race last year, and what's interesting is he's going to hope for somebody to get up there and go with never surprise because Colonel Liam likes to sit back and kind of catch his breath a little bit before he makes that run. But man, he does like the turf. And he also likes the Gulfstream turf. He wanna, right. you know, it's interesting, John. Then looking at it, and I hadn't even thought about this. The comparisons are so real between Colonel Liam's win last year and Never Surprise this year, in the sense that Colonel Liam prepped for the Pegasus turf by winning the Tropical Park Derby. Never Surprise prepped for this year's Pegasus turf by winning the Tropical Park Derby. Both of them are trained by Todd Pletcher, so there's a ton of comparisons that you can make between both Colonel Liam and Never Surprise. Well, um, uh, Pete, there's so many races. I, I have such a hard time. Let's just go to the next one that's graded the highest by the committee, and that would be the grade two uh, inside information. Um, 
this race, if uh, my computer will uh, go with me, will, will be a distance I love, seven furlongs. You either, you either love it or you don't, you know. Sometimes it's your undoing, but sometimes it's your doing. Um, who kind of caught your eye in this that will be the eighth race on your card and uh, $200,000 in this grade two? Well, I think that this is, for me, this is a very, very good betting race, at least as far as a multi-leg bet is concerned, because not only do you have a lot of horses in here that have a chance, you also have quite a bit of depth in the race from an odds perspective, too, because you have no super standout. Um, you know, you have a horse like Four Graces, who before her last race had a pretty good resume, and then she got beat by a Florida Bread Allowance horse in Starship Nala, who she's going to run back against. But the morning line favorite in the race is the Brad Cox horse just one time. And just one time's last race, to get put it in perspective, was a Pennsylvania bred stake at Penn National. So if you're going from a Pennsylvania bred stake to a grade two and you're the pay, uh, betting choice, I mean, that, I think that speaks, uh, speaks to the storylines of the race. And if you had told me that Jakarta would be running in a stake at Goldstream, I would not have been surprised because she has won stakes at Goldstream before, but not on dirt. And she came out of the uh, the race at Parks last time on dirt. That's why she was an 18-to-1 number that day. I actually think that she's going to have to prove it to me that her dirt is really where she wants to be. Um, and I like one in there, and I think you're going to get a price on her. I like the six-horse Pacific Gale. Uh, this is a horse who actually uh, won this race last year. She's a defending champion. And she follows somewhat of a similar form pattern in the sense that she was not on her A game coming into that race, and that's why she was 16-1 to that day. I don't think you'll get 16-1, to at least I didn't on the morning line anyway, on uh, Pacific Gale on Saturday. But I do like the form pattern, and she does like this racetrack. And most importantly, she comes from off the speed, and I think there's enough speed in there to set it up for Excellent. We're talking with Pete I.O. What a humongous day. Uh, the Pegasus World Cup, of course, will uh, be the granddaddy of them all. Uh, Pete, of, of the other graded stakes, you got the Fred Hooper, uh, the Pegasus Philly Amer Turf, uh, the William McKnight. we we got a couple minutes left. Uh, w- would you like to highlight one of those one of those races on your card? Well, I think the La Provence is always an interesting race. Three turns on turf for the Phillies and Mares, and I think that this year it comes up very interesting because always shopping, if you want to go back and watch a game, game, game performance, go back and watch her race in the Via Borghese last time out. And uh, this is a horse who won this race with a lot of similar storylines from that last year to this year, John. She's the defending champion in the La Provence. She won it last year at even money. I think she'll be about even money on Saturday. But you have to always ask yourself, and this is something that I've you know, I learned not only in Cincinnati but all across it, when you work that hard to win a race, I know that, you know, she's had about a month between starts, but at some point, if if we went to the bottom of the gas tank and now we're going to ask her to fire another shot like that and you're a short number, you know, I think that uh, she's a horse that probably is going to be the single of many people in their multi-leg plays. And I don't know necessarily that I would be uh, signed on for a single proposition in there. A horse who was second to her, Harajuku, is back in the race for trainer Graham Motion and I don't know if always shopping was game, Harajuku was hanging, or a combination of both. I think it was probably a combination of both. So uh, I would try Harajuku back again, and then Sorrel didn't get a very good trip. She draws better on Saturday. So it would be Harajuku and Sorrel to try to take on the big favorite always shopping in the La Provence. All right. Uh Pete, now this is such a, a huge day. Kind of uh, set the scene for us. For starters, 
you know, hard to predict in Florida, but how are we looking for those that are uh, getting their pen out and handicapping those grass races? Well, I think we'll be fine for grass. I think that we've babied the turf course enough that even if we do get some moisture uh, tomorrow, I don't think it's going to really do much for any chances of taking the races off the grass because we've kind of babied the turf for probably about 40 days now, making sure it would be in tip-top shape for this race day. It's supposed to be really cold. And uh, I know that for people who are listening to this in the northern part of the country, that's a laughable statement. But I was actually talking to my father earlier. There's a chance that they will bro- there were, that on Saturday morning, South Florida will break the all-time uh, low temperature record um, wow. for this time of year. So that we're looking at the 30s, at least in the morning of sat- Saturday morning. So. I don't know how that'll impact things. I would have to think that it would tighten the main track up a little bit, which that's not going to be any problem because it's going to be pretty tight anyway. Um, but there's 11 or 12 races on the card, 11.30 start time. Wow. New this year, we're going to have a uh, Pegasus pick three. So it'll be races 9, 11, and 12. So you can play a pick three to the Pegasus races. $750,000 in a pick five, 750000 in a pick four. Now that's guaranteed money, but... I'm, uh, I'm going to give a personal guarantee that both of those pools get over a million dollars. I don't think it's going to be much oh, yeah. problem at all. No, no, not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, well, that's fantastic. Now, I, I really appreciate you giving us the time. Uh, I know that you are a man in demand down there uh, in, in the Sunshine State, and I know that you're loving it. You brought up your father's name. Say hi to Big Pete for me, will you? I definitely will. All right. Well, Pete, I will let you go. Thanks a lot for spending time with us uh, on, on Winning Ponies. You know I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I, I just I just sit back. I can listen to you on a weekday and just take in your calls, man. I love you. Anytime I hear the name John Engelhart, the first thing that comes to my mind is that first day in Cincinnati with the cheese conies. <laughs> Had to break you in right. Had to break. Hey, how about the Absolutely bagels, right. Huh? absolutely right strolled into the booth didn't say a word put the cheese conies on the counter and said welcome to cincinnati kid (laughs) i love it i love the fact that you remember that and i i appreciate that well uh pete again thanks so much for your time we'll be listening remember folks get up early get anything out of the way you got to get done because 11 30 the action starts down there at Gulfstream park and the man on the other end of this microphone will be the man on the microphone overlooking all of the action there at Gulfstream park on pegasus world cup day thank you very much pete aiello my pleasure guys good luck saturday all right. Love having Pete on. Uh, love uh, a lot of shared experiences we had uh, during his early days, and he's certainly done very well in the bigs. But we're going to take a little bit of a break here, and when we come back, hopefully we will have dialed up none other than the king of the captors from Louisville, Kentucky, none other than Byron King. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for Winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And with me now, as I told you, he's the king of the cappers. He's the man behind so many words that are put into the Blood Horse magazine and online almost every day. He eats, sleeps, and drinks thoroughbred horse racing. With us right now, none other than Byron King. Byron, how are you? I'm great. I'm great, John. It's always great having you introduce me. I always feel like I'm... uh... Like it's, uh, who is it, Michael Vicker or whatever the guy, like the boxing match. I just always yeah, feel like, yeah, the you, wrestling you guy, the boxing guy. Yeah, well, exactly. And now exactly. in this corner from Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I so, like So anyway, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Well, now, uh, when you wake up every day, give me your schedule. Do you immediately try to scan happenings in the world of racing? Uh, uh, do, do you have an awaiting assignment that you fell asleep on on the computer the night before? Uh, how, how does the, the, the daily schedule of a guy who's an associate editor at a major, major publication? News editor. They, news editor. <laughs> A news editor. I'm sorry, I got all kinds of stuff. So, uh, all right, news That's editor. Either. You know, well, you it is a full time job. Steady I mean, job, you... I'd get that right, damn it. But uh, no, well, you're so it was that. It was... Well, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it, so, it's who can keep track, right, brother? Uh, but it it's you know the day starts off with. Um, luckily for me, John is. You know, from the time I was what, but a teenager, I knew this was the sport I wanted to cover, and it was what I liked doing anyway. Uh, I liked handicapping horses. I liked going to the racetrack, and then to get a a job where you get paid to do that. Well, you know, that's not work, right? You know, it's. Uh, I will tell you, however, that there are some stories you like to write more than other stories. You know, there's. I love the game and I love the sport and uh you know when these 
these stories turn really sour and there are these people that have let down the industry and let down the game and, uh, you know, done bad things. Those are, are things that don't put as much spring in your step. But the good stories are are great and they are... Um, you know, they, they, they make you appreciate the game even, even more. So, uh, it is a constant checking of stories, following up with people, having people duck you at times, having people, uh, give you nice interviews at other times. And that's just part of it. Yeah, I get, I get the duck a lot. So I'm, I'm glad you didn't duck me. <laughs> oh, John, I'm sorry. That's the day we farm our potatoes. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, the ultimate duck is if you ever want a comment from the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, uh, you are going to get crickets, man. That is the ultimate duck, uh, which, by the way, for your listeners, it came up today in Baffert's hearing in New York that a finally a hearing has been scheduled for February the 7th related to the Kentucky Derby and Medina Spirit in Kentucky with stewards. So here it is, the long wait um, has finally arrived. But, uh, of course, reached out to Kentucky uh, Horse Racing Commission, and, uh, well, they're not talking, but now, that's the uh, date. Now, uh, are the people from Churchill Downs going to have to sneak into Baffert's house, steal the, pro- the trophy, and bring it back and give it to Judmont Farm for Mandaloon? You know, I don't know what they've done about the trophies. I haven't really paid any attention if they actually sent those out um, this past year or not. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't. But, um, you know, um, there's no telling what's going on between <laughs> between those crew. I, I, I can't even begin to speculate. But clearly, um, if there is a disqualification and it is upheld by an appeal and and the court system, which, you know, literally this thing could drag on for months or years onward. Uh, Mandaloon, as you mentioned, was the runner-up finisher, so if there is a DQ, he would move up to first. So, But when the actual cash is in hand in the owner's, uh, you know, uh, bank account, is uh, it would probably be a long way off, I would imagine. Very interesting. Now, I don't know if if you know this or not, but of course, we had the maximum security debacle going on. That that story I know is two years old, but my question is, were the monies ever dispersed? I know you're not prepared for any of my questions, so if you don't have the answers, that's okay. But whatever happened to the monies being dispersed in the maximum security? Because technically, they've never found the exact help that horse may have gotten. Um, and so it, there's, there's this gray area. Do you know, Byron? Well, I assume you're, you're talking about, uh, Dubai. You know, the overseas race. What was it? The, was it the uh, Dubai race? Was that what it was? Yeah. Um, or, or wait, or was it Saudi? I think it was right. Um, I get them mixed up. So I just say Dubai and hope you know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> it was the Saudi cup 2020. And I believe in that particular case, um, what they did was um, they, I think, paid out to second to the runner-up, who I believe was a Midnight Bisu, but they have not, like, done any change yet on that. But I think they're probably awaiting to see what happens with Jason Service, who has not yet, who has maintained a not guilty plea in the... um, 
the horse doping uh, trial. Uh, Jorge Navarro changed his plea to guilty. Jason Service is still held out as not guilty. Uh, but you would have to think that it might just be a, um, just a matter of time if he is eventually convicted or if he changes his plea. But, you know, I think one of the challenges here, and again, I'm speculating on some of this stuff, but, you know, a lot of these drugs that were supposedly used weren't showing up on tests. I so, know. Where's the um, body? That is the typical way in which horses are disqualified is they flunk the test and then they DQ them and so forth. So this is more, you know, uh, it's a bit of uncharted territory in terms of um, caught on wiretaps and admissions of other people and, and so forth. So I guess at some point they will settle up, but that's a big chunk of cash over there. Um, but uh, if I had to put my money on it, I would say that he will be probably disqualified um, after Jason's services whole uh, experience comes to light. Well, I, I almost get tired of reading that stuff. I kind of read the first paragraph and move on. Well, I I don't know how prepared you are to talk about uh, as specific races this evening, Byron, but how about that uh, Pacific uh, uh, Classic coming up? Uh, it's kind of a nice race uh, there. Did you call uh, it the Pacific it, Classic? That's the one out in Delmar. You're talking about the Pegasus, my friend. Pegasus right? World Cup Invitational Stakes. How's that? That's right. That's right. It is interesting, isn't it? In terms of we've got this, you know, um, you know, great matchup of two horses in Nixco and Life is Good that have not only immense ability but similar styles, and they figure to be at each other from the the opening bell. It could be really, really fun. Um, I, I wish the race had a little more quality immediately behind those horses, you know, because mm-hmm. I do think it's a it's a race that you could really make a case that they're going to wing ding and it could set up for some closer, but unfortunately the other ones behind them, I just kind of view as more grade two, grade three-ish kind of types, and uh, it's hard for me. I, every time I tried to find one from off the pace, I just kind of would go, oh, I like the pace setup, but I'm not so crazy about his chances, you know? So right. uh, I wish I had a really great creative long shot, but um, I just you know, I just don't view them in, as in the same class as those two. So they're going to have to really melt down. But um, I think the draw, some of the some people were, you know, talking about Nick Skull drawing the rail as a potential negative, but I think that's a good thing for him. I, I honestly yeah. think that, if I were either Nixco or Life is Good, both of them have won their races on the lead. So I want the post that gives me the best chance to be on the lead. And that's the rail, you know. You got the inside. You get to dictate terms, you know. He's got to be fast enough to clear you. So if I were Joel Rosario on Nixco, I'd just come out hustling from the rail. If I have a chance to to drift a few paths off the rail and kind of intimidate um, life is good into taking back a little bit, then that's what I would do. I think you just take it to them. Oh, you're, 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 you're like a jockey locked in a man's body. Uh, that's that's good thinking. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
that's okay. I, 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 I'm a, I'm a Raylette trapped in a man's body. I love, love that hit the road, Jack. I think there's a horse out there named that that's uh, running tomorrow on Saturday. But anyway, the road is running in the Pegasus Turf. Great name, the, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, and the Raylette's singing back up. No more, no more, no more, no more at the road. Jack, well, so much for my choir boy days. All right, so we got a great two-horse race there. By any chance, did you get to look at the Derby Points race out at Oaklawn this week, the Southwest? I, I did. I did. It is led by Dash Attack. And a shameless plug here for the Blood Horse. Uh, this week we started the... Derby Dozen, which I'm privileged to be able to um, produce for us, and among the Derby Dozen, who's who's doing it? You you you're doing it? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, I know, but so, I um, love the Derby Dozen. I love it. Well, good. I'm glad you like it. Well, it it made its appearance this week on BloodHorse.com, and of course in BloodHorse Daily. And uh, among the top 12 of the ones I have ranked, uh, Kenny McPeak has four of them. Four. Wow. And uh, he is loaded. He's loaded. So number one, number one for me was Rattle and Roll. Rattle and Roll winner of the Claiborne Breeders feature. He got back to breezing just this past week. A little bit behind schedule relative to his stable mates, but I think... Should things go well, he could potentially be back in in March for his first start back and maybe get two preps in before the Derby. Uh, my second um, horse was Zandon, but my third horse was another Kenny McPeak horse, and that is Smile Happy, unbeaten in two starts. Uh, won the Kentucky Jockey Club. Kenny McPeak's other third-ranked uh, horse, at least by me, I think I had him fifth or so, is the bomb, runner-up in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, but also a winner on dirt. But his last of his quartet, who I had in the 12th spot, was Dash Attack. And Dash Attack uh, won the Smarty Jones impressively in his second start, overcame uh, a poor um, break and one going away with his ears pricked, and now he stretches out a furlong to run in the southwest. It's a it's a big field, but it looks like a lot of pace in the race. Uh, Baffert shipped one in. Uh, New Grange, who, in my opinion, last time really got away with a soft pace that he won't catch here. So um, it's a lot of money, $750,000. So uh, easily the richest three-year-old race we've, we've seen thus far this year. Well, uh, with, with New Grange, the, the Baffert horse, uh Again, it was only a five-horse field, but I did go back and, and watch that race a couple times. Not, not that you need to watch it more than once. That was the term you hear bandied about a little bit. That was literally a public workout. Yeah, but, you know, here's, the, here's my take on it. And, and I'm not disputing that this horse is of high quality, but it was like five horses in the field. The only other speed horse in the race was another Baffert horse. And they clearly didn't want to have those two horses duel for the lead. So this horse got to go super slow, and the two Bafferts ran one, two around the track. Um, 48 and four for uh, a pace for a mile race out of Santa Anita is very uh, modest, to put, to put it mildly. So I think he's, we're going to be looking at something far quicker than that here. I think we're going to be looking at 
46 and change, 47 and change, something like that. Uh, and I think that could potentially uh, take a toll on him. But a very talented horse, no doubt. Two for two, um, clearly very fast and very good. But um, just I've never been a big backer of taking the horse off a perfect trip uh, as this horse had last time. Well, uh, if you do want to go back and watch races, uh to do your handicapping on Saturday, go back and look at the Smarty Jones because in the Southwest Stakes, where we're going a mile on the 16th, seven of the last 12 horses in this field came out of the Smarty Jones. And the horse that caught my eye was Vivar, who put in a solid close, was really, really wide on that sloppy track at Oak Lawn. Um, and, And... I thought, even though he finished fifth, okay, he only got beat three and a quarter lengths and dash attack one by two. Um, I would say of of the horses coming out of that race, I really like Vivar. I absolutely hate his post. He drew the 12 hole in this race where it's a pretty tight run to the first turn. That that could kill him right there. But that was a solid close. If you're looking for horses coming out of the Smarty Jones, also don't dismiss uh, Ben Diesel. Uh, If you look at this horse's lifetime, uh, performances, <laughs> anytime you put it in a big field, it draws the outside post. So this poor horse has been up against it, still managed to get the lead uh, in his last race. It was an early speed duel. Uh, and that, I mean, he had to do that because he was sent. And then he got tired. Well, finally, Ben Diesel at 10 to 1 will get his chance at inside post. I don't think he's a match for Dash Attack, but he could be a match for your uh, trifecta and superfecta tickets for sure, Byron. Yeah, I like Ben Diesel too a little bit. I agree with you from the standpoint that I think circumstances dictated that they really had to send him out of there uh, last time out in the Smarty Jones when he had the 13 hole. And all the horses that were near the pace just collapsed. It just was way too taxing. And so that's a bit of a, a throwout race. And if you do toss that one, he ran a good fourth in the Kentucky Jockey Club, contesting the pace and then weakening a little bit, beaten by Smile Happy. Uh, and we should point out from the Kentucky Jockey Club, the horse that was seventh in there was Call Me Midnight, who went on to win the LeCompte last week. So yes. uh, if if you put that together and you say, hmm, that Kentucky Jockey Club might have been a pretty good race. And I don't think he necessarily has to go on the lead. And, you know, he won first time out, sitting third, uh, and then powering on uh, late. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if, even though he's drawn inside, that after the last beaten fade, they might just say, you know what, let's be as, patient as we can with him here and and maybe not send him the same way they did last time. So I I think he's definitely a horse that's got a better chance than his 10 to 1 price, Uh, Ben Diesel. Well, the the Derby Dozen has always been a fantastic feature of the Blood Horse. I'm I'm so glad that that it's up and running again. I'm sure you'll update it if there's a a, a huge effort in the Southwest and as we go up to the Derby Trail. Uh, 
only got a minute left here, and I just hey, I want to thank you, and I also want to tell you what a great job you do in that derby does, and it can't be easy. I'm sure everybody in the Twitter sphere is waiting for your new edition to come out so they can blast your <laughs> recent horse that you moved into 10th. I kid. It's not easy putting yourself out there as a public handicapper, but you do an outstanding job, and folks, tune into the Blood Horse, because that derby does, and is a great addition to the publication. We're talking to the man who authors it, None other than the king of the cappers and my producer telling me I got to go. Byron King, thanks for joining us here on Winning Ponies again. My pleasure, John. Be well, my friend. All right. And I also want to thank my friend Pete Aiello. Going to be a big day. Let me get this right. It's the Pegasus World Cup. And up until now, the race of the year, Knicks go against Life is Good. Life is Good. Keep tuning in to Winning Ponies. We had a slew of huge winners with our easy win forms last week. Go to winningponies.com and check us out. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.